Coming up, we recap episodes three and four of The Last Dance. We tell you why the 2020 MLB season is a matter of when, not if. And John, Mike, and Jimmy of the Hotheads podcast come on to break down the NFL draft. It's April 27th. Welcome to the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. CT, be me a bit. What's up, Manny? How's it going? Happy Monday. It's Monday. I would be. Wouldn't have known it was Monday had you not just told me, probably. Every day, you know, every day just bleeds into the next day. It all feels the same, you know? This did kind of feel like a Monday, though. Well, it felt like a Monday because the last dance was yesterday. That's right. You know, so you kind of know that going into it. And First you thoughts. were you have, like, an actual job, so that yeah. probably feels Monday-ish. Yeah, everybody so. at my job decided to hold all their meetings today, so... All so the good, uh, a lot of a lot of the meetings. Any meetings for the rest of the week? Yeah, a lot of a lot of meetings for the rest of the week as well. Seems like you guys do a heck of a lot of meetings, man. We do, we do. Yes, it's we good. do. That's good. It's good to meet. It's good to talk. They haven't seen me like this though since they've nobody has seen me like this except people that watch the show. So it's no video conferencing. It's all audio. All audio. Wow. Okay. We're told we're told not to use video because it eats away at the bandwidth that everybody is on the same network. So we're connected through like a VPN. So we're told not to use video feeds for anything. Ah, gotcha. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So. Yes. Oh, you want some, some headlines? <laughs> we got some headlines, guys. <laughs> uh, the NBA is looking at May eighth for a return to workouts so hmm. that is less than two weeks away it's i mean it sounds like across the board like there's almost a bit of a consensus that they're they want to start loosening social distancing restrictions like i've heard a couple of people already tell me that they're gonna go that that their jobs are gonna start asking them to go back like pretty soon which i don't know how i feel about it yet but my uh my job is actually starting to put that message out there that soon we're they're going to start opening like the building again for people to come back. But since my job has been able to operate completely remotely, they're leaving it up to us. So okay. I'm probably not going to, you know, return to the to the office anytime soon. But it is you're right. It is becoming like a like a thing now. Hmm. Uh, the Ball Brothers, the infamous Ball Brothers and, um, you know. We all know the Ball Brothers. LaMelo. Big, the big Monzo. ball brand. They will be joining Rock Nation. So Jay-Z does it again, man. He grabs talent. He will turn them into superstars. Oh. Sorry. Illuminati, baby. Uh, Aaron Gordon, a.k.a. twin brother of Aaron Judge. Mm. Baby brother. Uh, he drops a diss track towards Dwayne Wade. Oh about the nine out of ten score he received after jumping over seven foot two taco fall. I haven't heard the song, but I will I'll I'll promise here's here's what I think will happen once I finally listen to the song, which I plan to do after we get off this call. I think that I won't wait until the Dwayne Wade reference comes up. And I won't finish listening to the song because I'm pretty sure it's trash. So Agree. And by the way, the diss track should be made to to 
uh, the Black Panther. What's his name in real life? Uh, you know what his name is because he, the Black he had Panther. no idea. I had no idea what the fuck he was doing. So well, the diss track, the diss track should be towards the NBA because they put him as a, as a or whoever organizes the the dunk contest because they put him as a judge. Right. And they gotta cut that shit out. I think he should have won. I agree. He should have won. It's a, a. It's a dunk contest. B. Yeah. You're putting out a diss track to Dwayne Wade. Come on. He, he's yeah. bored. Yep. Uh, again, I always feel like the NBA is more about the story, not mm-hmm. like the the actual, the right thing. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll give the MVP to a guy that averages a triple-double across the season, but not to a guy that averaged way more points and way more assists and was that was less than maybe like one or two rebounds to uh, to average a triple-double. I'm talking about James Harden and Russell Westbrook a couple years ago. Boom. Dropping names, man. That's right, Welcome man. to the show podcast. That's what we do here, That's son. what this brain is for. <clears throat> Go on. <laughs> All right. <laughs> David Ortiz thinks the punishment was too harsh for the Red Sox. Okay. And I don't agree because I don't think the Red Sox are completely innocent. They got caught doing something they weren't supposed to do against the rules. And I don't think the punishment was all that harsh to begin with. If you take exactly. into consideration that Alex Cora was fired or suspended because of what he did with the Astros, he's not right. even getting punished for anything with the Red Sox. So I got to disagree with him, but I, I know where he's coming from because he probably knows as well as anybody that the whole league is probably doing something similar. That still doesn't make the Red Sox completely innocent. They got caught. Whatever. I think he's going to side with the Red Sox no matter what. So, yeah, that guy. And he's, and he's a cheater. So, you know. What? Uh, you heard yeah, what no, I said. I know, I know. I know. We, don't gotta, <laughs> we don't gotta go down that road. <laughs> Shall we? Shall we go down that road? And uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees will be facing off. They made it to the final four in the dream bracket. Follow the dream bracket on MLB.com. Uh, Yankees versus Astros went to seven games, 12 innings on the seventh game. A Rod did get ejected. Shout out to A Rod, my favorite baseball player of all time. There's your man. And Yogi, Yogi Berra hits a walk off. To send the Yankees to the Final Four against the Red Sox. I think we saw this coming. We called it last time. They're two of the most historic franchises. I'm pretty sure the Dodgers. I haven't even looked at the Final Four. I should have probably done that for these headlines. Nice. But I'm pretty sure the Dodgers are in there. It's a beautiful thing. And and we already know what the outcome is going to be. The Yankees are going to win this thing. And, you know. Just... They probably they probably will because the people that run MLB. Look. Oh, God. For those no, you, you picked the perfect time for me to bring this up, but the people who play MLB the show out there, you're gonna you're gonna tell me that MLB the or, the 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 organization of MLB isn't on the Yankees, you know, crotch. No. Because well, look, just just so I could tell you this, there's a Reggie Jackson out, there's a Curtis Granderson Yankee edition out, there's a Jason Giambi out, there's a Jorge Posada out. There's a Mariana Rivera. <laughs> there is there's another guy. You just give me oh, there's a bunch of there's just a bunch of Yankee players that you can get just by playing the game. A bunch of them. It's because the Yankees are and the all greatest or, got, the greatest organization in sports, man. That's all, all. All we got is like a 76 overall veteran Ted Williams and then like an 81 overall George Brett. That's all we got. Like we got. Wait, is it George Brett? We got one of those guys. I don't know, but we we don't. 
they're on the Yankees' cock, man. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Sorry. <laughs> wow. They're on it, man. There's Jesus. too many Yankee players. There's just too many. All right. Okay. Trust me, right. man. Trust me. You don't play the game. I play the game. There's, there's a lot. You could build a good roster just by sticking to Yankee players. Is, Reggie, Jack- is Reggie Jackson a Yankee in this? Yes. Or- he's a Yankee. Okay. Nin- well. 99 overall, the highest overall you can get in the game. Reggie Jackson. Oh, there's the best card in the game is the 99 overall Mickey Mantle. But he's hard what to get. One of the greatest players of all time. I mean, it's no, just he really that, is. Yeah, I'm not denying. I'm not denying that. That, organi- that organization is just something, something else, man. All I right. just look up at the sky sometimes and think about it, just like this. It's a beautiful thing. All right. Uh, that's, all I got. that's all I got, man. Those are your headlines. All right. Yeah. All right. So why don't we just move on to the first topic, which is the Last Dance recap. Last night, you had episodes three and four go out. Episode three focusing primarily on Dennis Rodman. Episode four primarily on Phil Jackson. CT, what was your takeaway? What did you think of these two episodes and... You know, what are your thoughts? I thought that the Dennis Rodman thing was was so funny and great. It had it had a little bit of everything. And then when the Phil Jackson episode started, I was kind of like, oh, man, we're about to get into Phil Jackson's past. And then you find out the type of guy he was. And then still I was kind of like, ah, like, we're really going to get into this. But that episode was the quickest one. It was like by the time it was over, I was left like wanting more. Yeah. So I thought they were really good episodes. Um It kind of goes back to what I was saying last week when we were talking about Jordan and what he is and what his legacy is and how I think that was just like the perfect storm and right timing and right organization, right place, right time. Because like for that Dennis Rodman stuff to happen, it would never happen today in the NBA. Yeah. Like that, a player taking a leave of absence, a leave of absence just to go to Vegas, just to fuck around. That would never happen in any sport today. And for that to happen on the biggest sports team in the world at the moment with the biggest basketball star, biggest sports star, probably the biggest celebrity at the time. um, I thought that that was very interesting and I'm just loving the, the nostalgia of all of it, even though I didn't watch it as an adult and, or like as a teenager at the time, just hearing the music and seeing like the camera and the and the like the footage is just like something really nostalgic about it that I'm loving. So I, I think the series is very great. I thought the best part was uh, them playing Michael Jordan. I mean, them playing Michael Jordan's audio describing the whole Vegas oh, yeah, thing. Yeah. And then and then the part where uh, he got to listen to Isaiah Thomas's uh, oh, my God, explanation yeah. for the thing. I'm like. There's just something about hearing Jordan talk and then hearing him like tell, tell him like I know Isaiah's just gonna make excuses. It's like he's so smart. Like he doesn't he it just seems like he doesn't buy into the bullshit. So yeah, and just yeah. seeing that natural reaction like oh it's gonna it's gonna be bullshit. I don't even need to listen to this. And yeah, he was like fine, I'll listen to it. And then as, as he's playing as it's playing, you see him react to it. That's not that you don't really get to see Jordan behaving that way anymore. At least since he's played when he was a player. You got to you got to experience him more, but he had a reputation of being pretty strict and all about the win, which he is. But in this yeah. in this series, you're seeing more of a personality, and I'm kind of glad that he's getting himself out there a little bit more, and we're getting to to see him. And and, and a lot of the things that you believe about him turn out to be true. Like like yeah, he he will he does not take shit from anybody. He doesn't give yeah. a fuck. Yeah. But um and yeah. I uh I I really. 
it's like so weird. Like before all this documentary came out, I would watch Jordan highlights and I'd watch his post game interviews. And there was just something about the way that he talked that just seemed to perfectly handle the media. It's like he didn't give anything more. He didn't really make excuses that I know of. I didn't watch his whole career for any Jordan fanboy out there or maybe like LeBron fanboy that's trying to prove me wrong. I didn't watch his whole career. But from what I did watch, it just seemed like he he said the right amount of stuff. The media loved him. Mm-hmm. And one thing that stuck out to me in that in uh, last night's episode is that he he pointed out to a specific reporter and thanked him. He thanked him for the for the article that he wrote about the Bulls or about Michael Jordan like the previous day. Mm-hmm. And it just stuck out to me because like today there's all these sources of media like Twitter, Instagram, all the shit, all this crazy shit, Bleacher Report. And anytime these guys get asked about it, something that half the time they put themselves in that position to get asked about it, they, their answers are always like, I don't pay attention to that stuff. I'm about the game. I'm about this. When that's complete bullshit. It's just complete bullshit. Uh, and they're always just like denying it, acting like it's the media trying to turn against them. Right. So it, it just felt like for refreshing to hear like the best basketball player like admit that he reads articles. He's looking for people to to say something about him so that he can prove them wrong. So I thought that was like really interesting. And then, so the only criticism I have about the documentary is I watch it with my wife who has probably, well, the only time she's ever watched a basketball game is probably when we went to a Knicks game like 10 or 15 years ago. Um, and you know how that went probably. They lost um, probably. Probably. Yeah. 15 years. Yeah, probably. They probably lost. Anyway. Um, yeah. So she doesn't really know what happened during this whole time the one criticism i have is that they do time jumps throughout the show but it's not really specified like in one scene dennis rodman is a chicago bull in the next scene he's with the detroit pistons and it's not it's not it's not obvious like this is before they went through the whole bad boy piston era and all that stuff and yeah. she was like, wait, wasn't is was is Dennis Rodman with the Bulls or with the Pistons? And I'm like, no, he started off with the Pistons, was later traded to the Spurs, and then he went to the Bulls or whatever. Um, so stuff like that was a little confusing. At times they give you a timeline and they jump back and forth, but sometimes it's not clear what's going on. There was there was yeah. another moment where it was when Michael Jordan was facing off against the Lakers in '91, I think, the first championship. And they showed footage of Magic Johnson versus Bull, the Bulls in 93 to explain what happened in 91. And that was confusing to me. Yeah. Things like that I didn't like so much. But that's that's nitpicking overall. I love the show. I can't wait for next week. I wish it was longer, like you said. I almost wish it was on Netflix. I could just binge it. I think yeah, I'd, I stay up, I'd stay up all night and just watch the whole thing probably. I would have I would have definitely binge watched it by now. And it's it's funny you mentioned because I thought the same thing last night. I don't know what scene in particular it was, but there's certain scenes that they put into it and it's almost just like to stroke Jordan's ego a little bit. Yeah. Like they'll they'll put they'll put a highlight of him like calling out the announcer at one point, but they'll just mention that he scored forty or fifty that night and then they just keep the overall story moving. Like right. the overall story, they just keep it moving. I'm like, what was that random side exactly? Yeah, conversation. Like the episode will be about Dennis Rodman. We're talking about Dennis Rodman, Dennis Rodman. Then all of a sudden, we're getting Jordan highlights for like 15 yeah. minutes, and yeah. all the highlights are awesome. So I'm I'm cool with it. It's just oh yeah, sometimes it's not clear and it's a little confusing. And I wonder if them deciding to release it a little bit earlier is the reason why. Like I wonder if there would have been another cut for it to be more clear and all that stuff. 
Um, make a good point. Yeah, you make a good point. Little nitpick. I, I still like yeah, it, though. We're nitpickers. Uh, what I'll, I'll tell you what I do love, though, like that I'm, I I caught on like in the last episode, but I realized it's been going on the whole time. When they come back from commercial break, they'll give yeah. you like a little snippet of like an interview that was going on during the time, like of that year. And it'll just be like a quick thing, like Phil Jackson not knowing what his future is like or Jordan saying that he's definitely not coming back or like one of these ESPN reporters on the sideline, like telling you like what's going on at the at the moment in 98, 97, 98, whatever. And I I, I like that part a lot. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's, a, it's a well-produced show. I, you know, I'm enjoying it. I wonder if the ratings went up a little bit last night. Can't wait for next week. Um, How many episodes is it? I think it's 10 overall, so it's five weeks. So next week will be week three, then there's two more weeks left. I just keep thinking they keep going back, like laying the groundwork for the last season, but they still haven't gotten to like the second championship, the third, the baseball, the allegations about gambling or whatever, his dad passing away. Uh, Steve Kerr, Kerr, I'm sure, has its own episode in the the thing. The punch or or whatever. Um, yeah, I wonder if they're gonna touch on that about the conspiracy theory that that Jordan didn't really retire, that he was really suspended, and he. I think left. they are. I hope I think they, they do. are because I think they're gonna touch on that and the whole punch story because Steve Kerr is in there for a reason. Yeah. Um, and I think that they they're gonna have to touch on it because they touched on the whole Dennis Rodman thing, admitting that he had to be pushed, admitting that he felt some type of way when Scottie Pippen came back. Um, and I, I feel like they, they have to touch on all those little stories. I thought the whole Isaiah Thomas walking off the court story was pretty oh interesting. I had never known that about, uh, the Celtics. Like, what did you think about his I, perspective versus Jordan's perspe- perspective? I agree with Jordan. I think Isaiah Thomas was for, full disclosure. If you're not a, if this is the first time you're listening or watching the welcome to the show podcast stream or whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm a Knicks fan. So I went through a period where Isaiah Thomas was running the Knicks, was the head coach of the Knicks, and he completely – that's when the New York Knicks got destroyed, essentially. So I, I have a bad taste in my mouth when it comes to Isaiah Thomas. So let me just put that out there, full disclosure. But the Bad Boy Pistons were – I'm not going to say that I remember them because it was the late 80s. I was a little kid. But I remember hearing stories about the Bad Boy Pistons, watching classic games. That ESPN 30 for 30 came out. And I, that team reminds me so much of the Knicks of the 90s because they were they – were, they were they were willing to throw down with anybody. They were a bad a badass team essentially. Um, but I, that story of the Pistons not shaking the Bulls' hands had gone on for a long time, and not until yesterday had I had I really considered had this been done before. And Isaiah Thomas brought the, the Celtics, Celtics as an example, but then he he kind of made it seem like oh that's what happens. You walk off the the court. You don't have to shake the other team's hands. But then. It's true what Jordan says. All the times that the Bulls lost to the Pistons, Two they stood there and they shook their hands. So at least give them that respect. Now, if the Pistons were facing the Celtics and the Pistons slaughtered the Celtics, um, I mean, and the Celtics slaughtered the Pistons and the Pistons want to walk off the court, I get it because they did that to you. So it's like payback. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, Bo- yeah. The Bulls didn't do that to you. I don't think yeah. I've ever seen another team do that before. So I might fuck, have fuck Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, yeah, I might have sided with Isaiah <laughs> Thomas had I not seen the clips of Jordan and them shaking hands when yeah. they got beat two years in a row. Like after all the you know the dirty way that the that the Pistons played. So yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, that's all. That's all. That's all I'm saying. CT. 
So great episodes. If you're not watching, if you haven't ca caught up on it, go on the ESPN app, ESPN Plus, and it should all be there. Um, let's move on to the next topic, which is MLB. The return of MLB is a matter of when now, not if. So over the last few weeks, I think we've been talking a lot about how we feel like baseball is probably not going to happen this year. And it seems like with um, with the way things are kind of unfolding now, there was a study that came out last week last week in which they found that the mortality rate was a lot less than what than what was expected um, in terms of the coronavirus. And all the numbers are down across the board in New York City. Ventilators are down. Hospitalization is down. Deaths are down. Um, so the social distancing restrictions are, are finally taking effect. Hopefully it's something better. Hopefully it's the virus like mutating itself and dying off or some shit. That would be amazing. But I don't. I don't yeah. want to get. I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Um, but the point is, um, people are are starting to consider going back to work. I talked to a friend today who said that he was gonna. His barber called him today and said that he's gonna start opening up his shop soon, but he's only gonna have three barbers at a time and he's only going by appointments. Whatever. Um, so things are starting to unfold a little bit. And, and, uh, even Andrew Cuomo, governor Cuomo said that he anticipates baseball to return to New York, to Yankee stadium and city field, uh, this summer. And, um, it just sounds like there was an article on ESPN where Jeff Passan, who we all know has the in with Rob Manford, cause he, he always has the messages said that basically it is a matter of when now, not a matter of if. So I wanted to Throw it out there, CT. I just said a lot of words. <laughs> um, so if base when baseball returns, because it's not a matter of if anymore, how do you envision it working? Um, I think the no fans is definitely going to be a thing. Okay. Um, I didn't know that it would be back in City Field and Yankee Stadium. I thought that we were just going to stick to the warmer or like the states that haven't been hit so hard, like Arizona and, and those mm -hmm. states like down there. Um, I see it just being kind of a mess. <laughs> uh, mostly the players, I think, won't want to co cooperate as much, probably, if there's all these restrictions. Um, and I see it just being really, really forced. I kind of see it being forced. I feel like we're going to try to compete with the NBA coming back and stuff, maybe try to get things rolling. Um, I don't see how this thing goes smoothly, to be honest with you. I think if we look to Taiwan as an example, it it's possible that it can go smoothly. Um, in Taiwan, I wrote an article every week. I feel like I do this, but go to calltothepen.com where I said uh, how the, how MLB should use Taiwan as an example for how to when they return. And um, what they're doing in Taiwan with the CB, CPBL is anybody that's coming into the building for a game gets get scanned they, they have like a like a temperature scanner i guess and it can capture everybody's temperature at the same time anybody that that's who's and I've, I've mentioned this on this podcast before anybody whose temperature is above a certain level they get sent home from what i understand they have to quarantine for like two weeks if their temperature is up to a certain level so those players won't be able to play and from what i understand so far that hasn't happened yet and they've been playing for two weeks now so it seems to be working out pretty well. The stadiums are empty. They're using cardboard fans and stuff like that. They had like one game I saw they had a dog like behind home plate. Like they're kind of having fun with it. Um, 
some umpires wear masks. The manager sometimes wears a mask. People on the bench are wearing masks or whatever. Um, and what's the last thing? Oh, something. In terms of the meat, in terms of the media, when there's like those press conferences that say there's a walk off home run, let's say it's fuck it, let's use Alex Rodriguez for the sake of this example, CT. For you, I'll do it for you. Let's say Alex Rodriguez hits a walk off home run, and at the end of the game, you have the media bring him up to the podium to have a little post game interview. That's still continuing, but instead it's virtual. So he'd be staring into a screen where all the media personalities are there, and he could answer answer questions. So I think it's possible to do it. I think the problem comes is if and when somebody does test positive or does have a, a high temperature, how do you replace that player? Because you don't have a minor league system to tap into. Do you, do you bring in your entire 40-man roster into the stadium or do you have them like in a location near the stadium just in case? Stuff like that is where I think it can get messy. Other than that, I think it can work. Um, but, you know... What does what does and you know correct me if I'm wrong. You're just wrong. tell me I, just tell me I don't know what I'm talking about. But what does what does taking temperature really prove if some people carry the virus and are walking around with no symptoms, no high temperature? You know what is well, for, isn't there a better way to yeah, to well, fortun- fortunately, the the way that they got this information last week, where the, where they feel like the mortality rate is uh, is lower than it was expected, uh, was through that ant- antibody test. They did a, a controlled study of a certain amount of people and determined that it was millions of people in the state of, in the city of New York that had the coronavirus. Many of them were asymptomatic. Um, and and f- I think from that, like twenty percent experience symptoms. I don't don't quote me on it. You can go back and look at it. Just Google it. Um, so maybe th- apparently this this antibody test can be scaled up. It, it's effective. It you know it's pretty accurate. Maybe these teams can buy a certain number of antibody tests, and each player gets tested to see if if they had the antibody, then they've had the virus before. They're probably not going to get it again. Um, if you, if you get tested and you don't have the antibodies, that means you haven't tested positive for coronavirus, then maybe those are the players that you have to focus on making sure that, that they don't have a temperature. And if they're, they're not, or, or maybe you test them weekly or something. I don't know, man. I don't know, well, man. I'm not an expert. I'm sweating here. You asked me this question. So much pressure. It's funny. Cause I just started sweating too, because I keep my fan off. As I've mentioned in seasons one and two of the welcome to the show podcast, usually it was warmer weather when we've recorded those episodes. And I would mm. always mention, I keep my fan off so that the background noise does not come into the mic. That's mm. how dedicated I am to this show. It's dedication. I'm sweating over here. Uh, I have a lot of body hair now, as you can see, <laughs> and the shit is not easy, but, uh, here's, here's another question. I read in that ESPN article that it's going to come down to money because they're saying that although viewership ratings through TV and streaming is going to be through the roof, that's still not going to be enough to cover the operating cost of keeping these stadiums open and having players in them to play. So if there's not money to go around to pay players and pay the owners and all these, all this, if there's not money going around, is this really the right time to, to bring it back? I think it would suck for the sport if they let money get in the way of of playing it, games. Now, now for small market teams, I understand if if the operating costs far outweigh 
what what it's gonna you know what they make what, what the revenue that they make from from TVs and stuff. Then I get it. Then then we have something to argue about. But if but if it's gonna come down to a player wanting a hundred percent of his salary. I, most of the time I side with players. I'm going to side against the players. I'm sorry. You're in a situation now where everybody's losing money. It's not just the players. The the teams, the owners, they're losing money as well. So if if that's what it comes down to, then I'm not I'm not for it. But but like I said, if it affects the the small market teams negatively, then I understand that. And and in that case, then you're going to have to figure something else out. Then maybe then maybe you do share stadiums maybe that the rays and the marlins can share a stadium or something you have to figure something out because um now, i know that it's just baseball it's not life or death or whatever but i think it would it would be a good it would be a good sign for the country it would show progress it would show look we're moving forward we're moving on from this yeah um we're better than we're stronger than this yada 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 and at the same time you don't want that canceled season you know in your, in my opinion, it just does. You know, I don't want to look back and see 2016 canceled due to coronavirus or, I don't know. So I feel like there's enough money to go around, man. It it could be it could be figured out. Well, you're right that everybody's going to be losing money, but if it if it comes down to players versus owners, you know, I, I always, get, I'm always going to side with players. But if the I always if, usually side with players too. But what I'm trying to say is if if, if a player wants 100 percent of his salary, if if uh, Mike Trout goes out there, and he's not going to say this. If he goes out there and says, I want my $40 million, I'm going to say, too bad, Mike Trout. Like, you didn't play for a month. The TV contracts are, you know, you're not getting paid. The, the owners aren't going to get aren't getting paid 100% of what they thought they were going to make. So you're going to have to take a pay cut, man. That's just how business works. Sorry, man. And then I agree that <laughs> seeing I agree that seeing baseball on TV, seeing the NBA coming back and all that stuff, would would make me feel better that we are moving past this but on the other side of that coin for those for the people who are already going against the social distancing rules or you know recommendations mm -hmm. they're going to see baseball and nba back on tv and those guys are going to be out to the beach the next day truth that's <laughs> in true. a parade dancing no, in their right. underwear so I almost feel like the NBA coming back is going to be the beginning of the end of social distancing. Like people are just not going to want to do it no more. They're going to look to see and the NBA is back. Like what the what the hell are we doing? Like on Facebook, I saw earlier today, someone was was wishing that a government official or a cop would tell him to put a mask on or his gloves because he thinks it's unconstitutional or something. Like, oh my god. So it's, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I get it. I get it, but it's just like Do you think yeah. that do you think that bringing back baseball and the NBA will bring us back to another wave of cases because people are oh, no longer social sure. distancing? I, I think I said before on this podcast, until there's a vaccine, that we're going to live this way. Like the, the you know, the social yeah. distancing restrictions are going to be loosened and there's going to be an influx, there's going to be an increase in cases unless unless we can extensively start testing people and like really control it. Like, like I test, you got tested, you tested negative or you have the antibodies. I don't know, slap a wristband on them with a barcode or some shit. And you're allowed to proceed with your life. I, I don't think the thing is, I think that, and we, we're going to have to cut this short pretty soon, but I, 
I'm starting to f- fall on the side of we we're not going to be able to sustain this for much longer. I think at some point life is going to have to go on and I think that more information is coming out where where I think a larger and a larger group of people where it's known that a larger and a larger group of people would probably be okay if they went back out into the world. I think there's just going to be a small portion of the population. And as more data comes out and we know who exactly those people are, those people are going to have to quarantine themselves and people are going to have to stay away from them until a vaccine comes out. Yeah. Um, Because I know, I know I've already in our family, there's been a number of people who have tested positive with COVID-19 and a, a pretty big chunk of them are asymptomatic. Yeah. Um, so I don't think for now, I think we have to continue this until we get more information, keep the social distancing uh, restrictions up, be as cautious as possible. But at some point in the near future, I would say maybe by July or something, um, that's just a random number. Um Something's going to have to give. At that point, you'd hope we'd have enough information, more testing, something. You heard it here. For, you heard it here first. July. Oh, shit. Guys. <laughs> Get Don't ready. Quote Don't quote me. I'm not a doctor. I'm Man, not an official. July is a, is a long way away, though. I know. I, I, just <laughs> like, looked, I just looked down and I saw it's yeah. April 27th, man. Yeah, I did the same thing. Oh, God. Oh, still man. two months away, man. Oh. Uh, baseball. Uh, all right. Let's transition out of this. We're going to talk to the guys from the Hothead Hotheads podcast, Mike and John. I should have reversed that. We're going to talk to Mike and John from the Hotheads podcast um, about the NFL draft. We're going to break it all down for you guys. So stick around. We'll be back right after this. Yeah. Go for it. All right, everybody. We're back with the Hotheads Jim, Mike, and John. Jimmy or or Jim? What do you prefer? Jim, man. Jim, Jimmy. Depends on if you're talking to Mike or John. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so the NFL draft just concluded this past weekend. I thought it was produced extremely well, except for all the sob stories. And I felt like it just dragged on at some points. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, yes. We're primarily a New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania-based podcast. So let's focus on the Giants and the Jets. So Giants first, because I'm, I'm a Giants fan. Um, What's your take, guys? How did the Giants do in this draft? Mike, I'll let you lead off because I have some uh, yeah. very contrarian opinions about this draft for the Giants. You know, there was uh, a lot of people that were hoping that Isaiah Simmons was going to go at number four. And, I, you know, you can't argue with it. He's a, a game changer. I was one of them. But, I mean, if you're going to go tackle, it's, it's something that we need. You know, you need to protect the assets. You know, you, you spent high draft capital, very high draft capital on Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones. And if you can't protect them, if you can't open up holes for Saquon, what is what is the use of having them? And I kind of said this point to John earlier today. At this point, what would you say is closer to being finished, the offense or the defense? Probably yeah, the offense, I, I, right? I get, I get that point. My point is the Giants last year went into the next to last or last drive of the game with the lead six times. Lost all six of those games. Not because the offense failed to convert points, because the defense failed to get off the field and get the ball back to the offense to run out the clock. You get a guy, in my opinion, Isaiah Simmons is going to be a playmaker for years down the road, right? You get a guy like that that you could plug into your defense, he can anchor your defense, captain your defense, give some leadership to a a rudderless crew for the last – I mean, since the the last Super Bowl title. I mean, what's it been? We're almost a decade now 
since this defense has had any direction. You had the chance to go out and get a guy that's a proven winner, uh, played in three national championship games. He's been, you know, they, they were debating on what to put on his card at the combine because he was, he excelled at three different positions. He was an edge rusher, a linebacker, and a defensive back. And when he was asked about it, he's like, look, I do what's asked of me by the team. I play defense. And that's the kind of guy you want on your team, especially a team as directionless as the Giants have been for years. Now, don't get me wrong. Thomas is going to be a mauler at left tackle. But points weren't really the problem last year. It was keeping points off the board. And when you got offenses like Philly, what Dallas just did, and basically saying, we're just going to have a boat race every week. And then, you know, even Washington is putting pieces in place to have a high-scoring offense. Whether they're doing it the right way or not, that's, that's for a different time, different place. Um, but, I mean, the fact that we're going to have – he's drafted seven, eight, eight corners over the last three drafts. How many have worked out? I mean, I think Isaiah Simmons was the pick. I don't hate the Thomas pick. I hate Thomas over Simmons. That was my initial issue with the, with the pick. And correct, but correct me if I'm wrong, though. So this is the guy, this is the whole versatile defensive player. He might be like the first um, guy with no position, just move him around, right? This is the guy we're talking about. Who, who ended up drafting him? Um, Arizona, Arizona at eight. Arizona ended up taking him. Now, I feel like last year's football season was years ago. I don't even really remember all this stuff that went on, especially on the Giants team, but weren't Saquon Barkley's numbers down last year? Oh, he missed four games, too. Yeah, I mean, he, he had, had, to a, that he had a high ankle sprain that yeah, normally knocks early. a normal running back out for almost eight weeks. He was yeah. back in four, and he still went over 1,000 for the season. His receptions were down significantly, but that was right. because of the play calling. Yeah, they would okay. literally just go away from him at times in games, and it was a debate. What was he healthy? Were they doing load management because the team was just a dumpster fire? Yeah, why bother putting things. all those carries on him right. if they're not going to win? You know, you know I mean, you have most running backs miss twenty five percent of the season. They're finishing the year around seven hundred yards. Saquon was still over a thousand yards rushing with another. I think he had another five hundred receiving. So you prorate Saquon's numbers out. He's over two thousand, and he's probably right behind CMC as the most productive back in the league it's gonna yeah. happen guys like yeah you have not seen the best of saquon barkley i guarantee it hey so dynasty owners everybody falling all over yourselves real quick everybody falling all over yourselves to get cmc you could buy saquon real low from a, an ignorant ignorant owner right now so yeah that's the move so, i'd be trying to make in, in dynasty ball right now I'm not trying to scoop cmc at the top of his value Right, and I get where CT was going with that, right? I mean, you, you got a guy – you so you show up your front line, you protect your, your new quarterback, you, you give your, your running back some money room. So, fine, you go Thomas, but then you go safety. I, I'm just surprised, pleasantly surprised, that in a, in a draft class that's this deep at wide receiver, there, there's not a single wide receiver taken for the Giants this year. And I know, Mike, you said you're not upset about the guys that you have, but I, I think there was guys that, that were available even at 36 that were better than, than what you guys are working with right now. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. 100%. The, 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 the only reason I like what they did at 36 is once you see the entire picture. For the first time since he's been the GM, it looks like Gettleman had a picture, looked at it, and stuck to the plan. You know, he built up that front line. He got, I saw a post say he got 950 pounds of protection for Daniel Jones. You know, he got a guy that's going to play center. He's got his future right tackle, his future left tackle. By the way, these two guys, the, the tackles they drafted, Lived together and trained together in the offseason. 
They consider each other brothers. You want to talk about chemistry? That's built-in chemistry right there. That's amazing. It seems um, like Joe McKinney, Judge values that sort of thing as well. So he he said it a million times. He doesn't want individual stars. He wants a fifty-three man team, which that's from the Bill, that's from the Bill Belichick school right there. That's that's the Bible according to Belichick. He wants about, guys to play. What's up? What, what guys, about? Go ahead, Manny. No, you go. You go. Uh, what CT go? <laughs> what about what about this uh, these rumors that we heard leading up to the draft about interviewing Justin Herbert? Was that just like a smoke screen, or was that just light somebody light somebody's ass on fire? What was that? Um, I, I that was we we talked long and hard about this, me and Mike, because Gettleman, like the whole the whole thing with Gettleman is he scouts in person the guy he's going to draft, and when Herbert was still undecided about coming out. Gettleman was at the Oregon games. He was at the, the pro days. He was doing everything. This is two Oregon. years ago, not, not this offseason, yeah. but two offseasons ago. And then Herbert decided that he wanted to play a year with his brother, who's a tight end at Oregon, stayed in. And that's when the Giants had to pivot. So I think Gettleman had decided on quarterback at six. Or, yeah, and decided Herbert was that quarterback. And Herbert didn't come out. So he went so Jones. I think it was, I think it was a smokescreen eye. For a while, I was convinced he was going to take Herbert and try to change Trey Jones, Oof. pull a uh, pull Cliff Kings Kingsbury. I wasn't. By the way, it. by the way, did he buy the house from Entourage? Like, did you guys see that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jesus! Oh my God! So overall, Giants, how That's did they agree. join this draft? Do you guys think they won the draft, lost the draft, didn't make that many? Like, do do you think? What is your What are your expectations for this coming season? In other words, do you think that they've made enough of an impact? to finally give us a respectable season. I can tell you right now, my view of it, I believe they had a good draft. They did something that I've been wanting them to do for the last couple seasons. They focused on making the offensive line better. I'm not saying that you just have to draft all the offensive linemen and throw them like darts and hope that one of them sticks. But it seems like, just like John said, they went in with a plan and they actually stuck to it rather than getting, uh, you know, ooh, look, a flashy wide receiver. Ooh, look, Albert O, the tight end, you know, I, I, he's fast. I should go get him. Like, no, he, mm-hmm. he kept his eye on the prize and drafted the guys that he wanted. I think that he ended up with some value picks towards the end of the draft. Um, you know, there's this linebacker they got from Penn State. He's a player. I Ken like him Brown. a lot. Um, a couple of guys they got in the seventh round are, are again, value picks. So um, we'll see how much they end up actually contributing to this year's roster. Probably not, but you never know. Um, You're going to have two guys contribute this year, maybe three with Cam Brown. Pert is going to be a guy that's going to – he might get some injury time play, but right. um, Not Mike. He's, more of a, he's more of a project guy. Thomas mm-hmm. is going to step right in. Thomas might even start at left tackle this year. They might slide solar to right. I don't see that happening, but it's a possibility. McKinney was talked about as a top-10 guy. It was very similar to Landon Collins when he came out. You could argue that the Cowboys should have drafted him over Lamb. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, are you going to knock the Cowboys for that? I mean, no. Look we'll what talk they, about they that made later. That, they made that yep. offensive juggernaut. But like, this is a guy that was a top ten guy on a lot of boards. You got him at thirty six. So I don't blame him for taking McKinney at thirty six. I think that's his best pick of the draft. If I had to grade the draft, I would say B minus because he addressed a lot of needs, but he didn't. The Giants are a team that need guys that are getting on the field now. He didn't get a lot of those guys. He got. Hmm. One and a half, maybe two, you know, because McKinney will be on the field. Thomas will be on the field. How much will McKinney be on the field? And Pert might get on the field. Cam Brown might get on the field. But these are guys, top four rounds, you want them on the field right away. 
And I just don't see that happening with all those guys. All right. So we have a lot of, we have some Giants fans, but I feel like we have more Jet fans that listen to the show. So hit us with the Jet news. Go as, get them as good as you want. We don't, we don't like the Jets over here in this. We, we laugh at them from afar. Just give it to us straight, guys. Did the Jets so, have a good draft? I know they drafted a monster in Beckton. His dad's a monster, too. Could tell that, you know, that yeah, food bill uh, by the end of the month is, is probably <laughs> extremely high <laughs> to feed that well, family. <laughs> nobody likes to bury the Jets more than I do. And first off, I just want to call, call your bluff. You have a lot of Jets. Jets fans don't exist. Like, <laughs> their claim to hey, fame man. is Fireman Ed. He was, he's been, he was a Miami Dolphins fan for the first 55 years of his life. So, Jets fans are like Mets fans. Eh, they don't really exist. I agree. I agree. They're the Easter Bunny, right? So, that said, I, I like the, the Beckton pick. I like the Mims pick. Uh, you start getting a little dicey at Ashton Davis, Zuniga, uh, Perrine, another Perrine. running back. Um, does anybody know if he's related to Samaje? He is. It's his cousin. It's his cousin. All right, so then we can say that's a terrible pick. Um, <laughs> he just got dropped. <laughs> Click. That's it. But, again, the Jets are very vanilla draft. They didn't make great picks. They didn't make awful picks. They kind of stayed right down that best player available path. You know, and I think they got some pretty solid the, guys. The I don't first. think they – the first wide receiver of the draft goes off the board exactly one pick after Becton gets drafted at 11. That's Ruggs going to Oakland at 12. So the Jets had their opportunity. By the to way, draft shocker. Anyone. If you would have told anyone. me Ruggs and Ragor would have went off the board before. TD? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, uh, my, my friend, my best friend is a huge Eagles fan, and he was like – I can't tell you what he was thinking when he saw CeeDee Lamb was still there past 15, I think it was, or whatever it was. He and thought the fact he that they re- let Dallas jump them and get him. Yeah. I just – Because, I, I don't know, something with a with a cornerback. But let me ask you something. So if I have a, jet, a rabid Jet fan texting me saying that they had the best draft, I respond – Hypothetically speaking here. Hypo- this really happened, but now I can go <laughs> back and be like, you, you're full of shit. They had start it. calling his friends and family and scheduling an intervention. Well, I am his family. So. <laughs> <laughs> Schedule. I'll set that up. Get on the phone, yeah. with, on the phone with Auntie and tell her we, we, we might have a problem with so-and-so because uh, yeah. he is delusional. They did now, not by any means have the best draft at all. I'm just going to throw this they out there. The, they didn't have the best draft in that division. They might have the third best draft in that division. Not exactly. So I'm Miami, gonna ask, Miami and Buffalo both had it. better drafts. No, Miami killed Jets, it. Miami New killed England, it. New England for the first time ever shit the bed. But, again, it's I think probably struck gold everywhere. I think the question that everybody's really wants to ask is who is Jake from and should I be happy that the bills took him? Jimmy, um, you answer I mean, this one. <laughs> yes, Jim, please, man. Give it to me straight. Who's Jake from? Quite frankly. Well, so my, my son likes to say he's Jake from Jake from, from, from uh, state farm. State farm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was the, an awful uh, joke. Yeah, I'm just saying. It was, it was an 11-year-old. What are you going to do? Honestly, I wish, I wish he was the guy that, that the Eagles would have taken in the fourth or fifth round, right? Because they didn't need to get douchebag at two. They should have taken a, uh, you know, a linebacker at two. Whoa, whoa. And, uh, no, in the third round. You, you can't call that? Jalen Hurts douchebag. Jalen Hurts He's is not a good dude. By his fault. Yo, this is, this is a kid that I agree. was a national yeah, championship quarterback, lost his job to Tua, and instead of bitching, he was his backup and helped train him. And then transferred and had a hell of a year. Like the guy, 
Listen, I the understand. Eagles made a terrible pick. A, Let's put it that he was way. A he was put, a don't put that on the kid. I yeah, agree. Don't put that's, that on Jake. Uh, You're supposed to be talking Eagles. about Jake from and the Bills. Anyway. Yes. Again, so. That's what you get when you go to these cheesesteak eating motherfuckers. But the point is, it was game and shit. We talked about this earlier, right? What that does is it keeps him keeps him from going to New England. So it doesn't necessarily matter who he is. What matters is who needed him. And now, now New England's stuck with what they have, Stedman, and and uh, that's what they'll have to roll with unless they they pull the trigger on one of the guys that's out there, like a Cam Newton or something like that. They're but, not. They're so not going to get Cam Newton. So that pick. So so picking him was more to not let him go. To the Patriots. That's exactly that was what it was. 100% that, a move to keep him away from the Patriots. Because he is, is not even close to the same quarterback that Josh Allen is. So if Josh Allen goes down, you're talking about two quarterbacks that run completely different offensive systems. It makes no sense to draft him as the backup. That makes me well, feel better, now, though. Now, here's the thing with Jake Frum, or with Frum, right? This kid has been on TV since he was 11 years old. Little League World Series. Then MTV did that high school football series, and it happened to be the high school that he was quarterbacking for. And then he went to Georgia. His freshman year goes to the national champ. This guy's been in the spotlight since he was 12 years old, 11, 12 years old. Like, so going now, it's nothing new for him. Uh, yeah, he's a little lacking in some of the areas, but it's all teachable stuff. It's ball security. It's arm angle. It's, it's progression. It's stuff that can be taught. He has the physical ability to be a great quarterback. And remind you, you know, you think of 21 years ago when they took that little chubby, tall, lanky kid out of Michigan that was split in time with the Yankees' third baseman. Yep. What ended up happening there? So I think what the Bills did by keeping him away from New England and their, their developmental system was great. And now they can ship that guy off for draft picks to one of these quarterback-hungry teams. So when Joe Burrow gets buried 75 times this year, and he's gun shy next year, and the Bengals want to trade for a quarterback. The Bills are gonna be like, "Hey, we got a guy, mm-hmm. national championship quarterback as well. That's what I'm talking good about. arm angles, good. He's learning. He's studied under a quarterback of similar ability. Here you go. It's it's something I like to. I love the pick by. I love what the Bills did there. I, not only that, right up the right up the Patriots' ass. You know, let's go, man. Let's go. <laughs> I'm fired up. You think they that, overpaid for that Diggs? and Epinesa? Oh, you guys yeah, are gonna they, love that dude. Wait, You're gonna over. love that dude. Once I saw, once I saw what the Texans gave away for Hopkins, and then I saw what we gave away for Diggs. Man, I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> but the fact that the fact that Bill O'Brien was allowed to conduct this draft for the Texans after what he did with Hopkins is crazy. Insane. Suspect. What, suspect. What Bill O'Brien aspect. did with that trade with DeAndre Hopkins was madness. I mean, it's something that, that we I would have vetoed would that trade in a fantasy, fantasy league. I would have vetoed, I would have vetoed, vetoed it. Don't veto anything. And we don't veto anything. <laughs> like, yeah. Like he literally traded Danny Woodhead for Adam Thielen and we didn't veto it. Like shit like that is just goes down in fantasy leagues. This would have been vetoed. Like David, I'm done Johnson for DeAndre Hopkins. Come on. So let's bring this home, fellas. Who won the draft in the entire NFL? Who lost the draft? Jimmy oh, Boyd, lead us off. Oh, can I can I start with the losers? Yeah. Think, was... um, uh, yeah. Listen, I, I don't think Eagles are total losers. I think there's things that they should have done differently, and I would have loved to have seen. Obviously, I don't get the quarterback in the second pick, but fortunately for the Eagles, uh, the Green Bay Packers did a worse job, right? So. 
they not only like we've talked what three years now doing the, doing these shows we talk about how Aaron Rodgers needs an offensive line. He's running around like crazy, and he's trying to coach rookie running back wide receivers on the field with a hobbled half a leg. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is get him an extra wide receiver, someone to, to, to be opposite of Devontae Adams, take pressure off Devontae Adams, and get him a small offensive lineman. And they didn't do any of that. Again, not only did they not do that, they take Jordan Love with the first pick, and they take a backup running back or maybe the starter, I don't even know, with A.J. Dillon uh, in, in the second round, where they could have had a, a, a wide receiver. A.J. Dillon has so many miles on his legs, too, man. Just so, – I don't get it. So to me, they're they're the they're the team that that for the third year in a row they knew exactly what they needed to do and then went ahead and didn't do it. Not one wide receiver in a in a in probably one of the most prolific wide receiver classes we've ever seen. And you're not even talking about second round quarterback. They traded up to draft the quarterback. Yeah. Didn't let him fall to him. It wasn't like oh well he was there so we took him. Like so you you piss off your franchise quarterback by trading up to draft a guy that's I, I like Jordan Love. He's not NFL ready. But he would have been there when they picked again. I, I'm sorry. That, that was just – that was a screw you Aaron Rodgers pick. It, it really was. And There's then, a lack of loyalty and then, you know. Packers losers, give us the winners. Or the winner. Jimmy, who's the Giants, winner? Man. The Giants, come on. Ah. <laughs> no. You, right division, wrong team. Yeah. I, I have the Cowboys. Right division, wrong team. You're saying Cowboys. That's it. You're, it's, you're right, John. I yeah. had the Cowboys winning this draft. I mean, people are killing them for the land pick. Why the hell would you do that? I mean, you just made this team a boat race. It's just – It doesn't it, matter know. if your defense can stop anybody if you can score almost 50 points a game, and that's what they've just set up. I mean yeah. – Well, a, it does a couple of things. One, one, it keeps him from the Eagles who needed him. They needed to move up and go get him. And it, it, uh, it basically puts the season on Dak to go, listen, you no longer have any excuses. You have an offensive line. You have one of the best running backs in the league. and. Uh, you, you have know, three receivers that on most teams will be number ones. Yeah. And so if you can't find someone to get the ball to at any given moment, then that's on you, Dak. So I, I like what they did there. I was down yeah, to Dak. I, I, have, I have the Cowboys. I, and, you know, I'm going back to your division, CT. I'm going with the Dolphins, too. The Dolphins had – I thought the Dolphins hit on everything they did. Uh, they got my – one of my favorite linemen because I expect him to go a little bit later. I was hoping the Giants would get him in the second. Austin Jackson out of the USC. He's a big guy, good footwork, good hands. He's strong. You, you draft to it, and then you get the left tackle that's going to protect him the rest of his career. Then you go out, you grab a, grab a court, the corner they took. Uh, I can't say his name. Igbin, uh, Ichabod Crane, that's what we're going to call him. Uh, <laughs> Might have gone a little bit early, but it's a, it's a luxury pick there because you have that extra third – you have that third first-round pick. You could jump early and get a position of need, which they did. Then you go interior line on a couple picks you got uh interior offensive line you got a good safety uh i just feel like they didn't really after two it wasn't flash it was all substance with them straight through the draft it was all i mean a team like they are everything's a need but they stuck to it and they went best position at at, at position of need as they went down the draft. i just thought the dolphins did very well every time they were on the clock of putting that top player available into perspective of what they needed on that roster I want to call out two teams just real quick. We don't have to go in depth on them. Uh, I thought Indy had a great draft. Um, I like the the running back they added. I like the wide receiver they added. That's Jonathan Taylor, who is number one on a lot of people's uh, running back boards. Michael Pittman wasn't a number one wide receiver 
on a lot of people's boards, but this is a very large and very fast wide receiver. 24. Right. So <laughs> Draft then, there's also, then there's also Jacob <laughs> Eason, who, I mean, I'm not saying that he's the heir apparent, but it's, it's cool that he'll get to sit behind Rivers, watch him play. And if it works out, he'll get to move up and have a chance at that system. Indy. I think was, I think that went with Eason just because he was there. I don't think that was a plan. I don't think they were looking because he. It's possible, but it, 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 listen, it worked arm. out in their favor. You were the one that told me to look out for Jacob Eason. So, if you're gonna yeah, if you're gonna take a chance, <laughs> if you're gonna take a chance, it's a day three quarterback. Not a big deal. Exactly. Denver, it's it. It wasn't a day two, day one quarterback. Denver. Denver and Oakland, not so much. I mean, listen, Oakland had an okay draft. It wasn't amazing. I don't really like the cornerback that they took in the Oakland, first round. I thought Oakland had a terrible draft. But. Um, but, what, but the thing I want to point out is that you can see that the AFC West did everything they could to keep up with the champs, all right, because Denver and Oakland took fast, fast wide receivers. Uh, Judy, K.J. Hamler, both going to Denver. Uh, Albert O, the big tight end, uh, to play alongside Noah Fant. It's not going to hurt his value. Keep keep drafting him. Um, and then Oakland took, you know, Ruggs, who was by far probably the fastest wide receiver in the class. Biggest reach around one. First receiver. I, off, he was first receiver off the board, right? I agree with you, and I'm not saying that Oakland's necessarily a winner. I'm just saying that that's the the, the, the wide receiver three on his college part. team, where the best receiver on the team came out in the same draft, went before that receiver. You just right. put that out there. That's absurd. Just saying, it's interesting to see how those two teams decided to handle the the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, you know, that's that's uh, what they decided to do. I think Oakland's best pick was Brian Edwards, and you're talking about what was that their fourth or fifth draft pick? Uh, Ruggs was a reach. Arnett was a reach. Uh, Bowden was definitely a reach. They went back to back wide receivers on. in the second round. Bowden, Bowden, and. Um, well, Bowden, um, Bowden is technically a running back. He play, he's one of those guys. He's like Cordell Patterson. to play all over the field. He's listed as a running back. Um, these gimmicky guys, you know, jack of all trade, master of none. That's, what, that's basically what they are. Um, dude, I thought, I thought Oakland shit the bed. I thought the only thing worse than Oakland's drafts was John Gruden having their draft strategy on a whiteboard on live TV. I mean, that was just idiotic. <laughs> I missed that. Yeah. Every That's time crazy. they shot the Gruden, he's got the team's entire draft strategy laid out on a whiteboard standing right behind him. I mean, there was one more winner that I want to bring up, and it's probably the biggest one. Every fan of football, every fan of sports. I don't know how necessary this really was in real life, but like this couldn't one have come at a better time. One million percent necessary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you guys about, feel, but come on. Think about the emotional drop off you had today, knowing that that's it. Now we now they need, need to get back to real sports. Yeah, that's it. They need to get back to real sports. Well, we don't and, even and know if if it's gonna come back at this point. You're, you're, I don't had, think I don't think we're gonna see anything this year, boys. I think after the New Year's when we're gonna start seeing things start to trickle back. I think we're gonna see NHL and NBA start January oh, yeah, 10th. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be awful. That's depressing. Andy, we're not gonna, we're not gonna I, get I was, a baseball season this year. I don't think. I was starting to feel hopeful because Cuomo's talking about hopefully seeing New York sports back up, seeing baseball back in Yankee Stadium and in City Field and. You had that ESPN article come out today that base, you know, the MLB season is a matter of when, not if. Um, and we just, we just did an entire podcast being super positive. But thanks for bringing us down, guys. Um, hey, listen, we're the hotheads, so we're not, not the honeypot. I mean, we're just, you know, like, we're the hotheads. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's been a very difficult time, 
but I mean, the NFL draft was amazing. The only thing I wish they did different, I wish ESPN didn't make it tragedy porn where every time they announced a pick, they had to like announce the worst thing that's ever happened to these kids, which was, I thought was awful. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's like, oh, so-and-so's drafted. His brother was struck by lightning playing low league baseball. <laughs> and, what, is that real? So happy for yeah. I, I didn't understand. I'm not, listen, I'm not a professional, you know, TV producer or whatever, but I didn't understand two things. Why they cut straight to the player after the pick was made because they were on a 20-second delay. Clearly were delayed, not, too. They were not <laughs> excited at all. They were just, like, sitting there texting or whatever. Right. <laughs> That's the first thing. So that was kind of anticlimactic. And the second thing was you'd see in the bottom corner of the screen the pick is in, and it would take, like, five minutes to see what the pick was. I'm like, Jesus Christ, just give me the pick already. Like, we don't have mm-hmm. to hear the whole story. If you get it's, the pick, it's always the like story, that, move though. on. Even they when they're doing it live. Ad, they, had, they had to get all their ad, ad hits in. Yeah. Hey, just, you, you put something about uh, the 20-second the delay, and I'm like, yeah, so everybody that's seeing their favorite team draft a guy, and he's just sitting there like, meh, texting with his buddies. like, oh, he doesn't <laughs> want to be here at all. Like, shit. What yeah, that's do? exactly <laughs> what I thought. I honestly felt like that. I mean, I felt like no one like, – like no well, one nobody wanted to be, wanted to be on the Eagles, Jim. Yeah. So. No, <laughs> overall, though, it was produced really well. It was, you know, I thought, I thought they did a good job. Overall, those are just my two little nitpicks. I tend uh, to nitpick. Except for Trey Wingo's, uh, Trey Wingo's <laughs> suit was hideous. It was yeah, like the reverse right. Yankees uniform, navy blue, yeah. white pinstripes. With, was he wearing Keds? He was wearing some Velcro <laughs> Keds, oh dude. God. Like, come on, ESPN, man. you're better than that. I aspire to live in Cliff Kingbury's house one day, man. That what a pad. You know oh, he dude. told him to put it on wide zoom, bro. He's like, get the whole thing. Yo, he was sitting there like that dude from that speaker commercial back in the day. He puts his feet up and it just starts blowing the scarf off the back of his head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The max. What, what, what you don't know is like, yeah. it's only it's like only like a three room house, right? It's just that's it, you know. And it also decides the bedroom, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not his yeah. ball. Listen, well, Jerry that Jones, room he was Jerry sitting Jones in is bigger than my, the mic on everybody. House, so. right. Oh, he Jerry, was on his yacht, right? Yeah, he dropped the mic on everybody, dude. He he his. The room he was in on his yacht is as big as the ground floor of my entire house. Yeah, so. with Jarrah's wife when they drafted uh, Lamb, crop shot the entire nation. So that was that was unexpected. And not welcome. Let's get a screenshot of that and just put it as a thumbnail. <laughs> thumbnail. This episode. <laughs> All right, so (laughs) you guys can check the Hot Heads Podcast wherever podcasts are available. Follow them on Twitter at Hot Heads Podcast. Hot Heads with a Z, by the way. And thanks for coming on, guys. This is awesome. Thanks thanks for having us, guys. Thanks, guys.